Amen. Welcome to Church on the Hill. Is it going to snow tonight? It's a very, very um, odd response. We've not been back to a full day, full weeks of full week of school yet since we've come back this year. So maybe this will be the week. <laughs> Developing a strong family. We started this last week. Tony, it is weighing heavy, heavy, heavy on my heart how important the family is. Matthew 12, 25 says that a kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. Any city or house divided against itself shall not stand. How many knows a family cannot make it divided? Husbands and wives have to be together. It doesn't mean that you necessarily agree on everything. It doesn't mean you always get along. But we've got, we can't be divided. We can't be against each other. How many knows that that doesn't work in the church either? You can't, church doesn't work if you're divided. It'll fall apart. Lives fall apart. Families fall apart. You know, God's a God of family. God blesses the family. God's kingdom is set up to be under a family. It's a kingdom family. The kingdom is, is geared toward the family. That's why we see with our nation, our families are falling apart. As the family goes, so goes the nation. We want to sit here and we want to pray for the Lord to heal our land, but we don't pray for the Lord to heal our family. Lord, or heal our land if we'll heal our family. Get the family together, the government will change. The world will change. That song, waiting on the world to change. No. God's waiting on us to change. He can rescue us no matter what the condition. No matter what the condition. And we can't be divided. Husbands and wives, if you're in a relationship now as husband and wife and you're divided... You're wasting your time trying to build. Get united. Then start to build. More than likely, we're broke down between the relationship just between you husbands and the Lord. Get united between you and the Lord and then start to build. Wives, get united between you and the Lord and start to build. A kingdom divided against itself will not, will not stand. If you remember from last week, this whole message is coming from a survey that two that two professors from two uh, universities uh, did. They did a survey. They, uh, two, two professors, one from Alabama, one from Tennessee. We won't say which one was the smarter one, but Tennessee. But uh, we've got a few hardcore Alabama fans in here. We pray for you. Roll tight. All right. <laughs> they went to 50 states. It, though they went into 50 newspapers into 25 different states, and they put a short ad in the paper that basically said, if you live in a strong family, please contact us. We know how families break down. We know how to mess up a family. We just don't know how to build a strong family. And 3,000 responses came back. And there was kind of a common thread out of all 3,000 answers. And that's what we've been going through this morning is the six qualities of a strong family. Last week we looked at the first two. Number one, a strong family is committed to family. You remember work does not supersede the family. The family comes first. It doesn't mean you don't do a good job. It doesn't mean husbands and wives at work that we are not supposed to go in and provide. We are supposed to provide. But not at the expense of the family. 
commitment. Strong families have a sense of team, family identity, and unity. You know, it's such a coined phrase, but there's no I in team. There's no I in church. It doesn't work. It's not intended to work that way. They invest their time, their energy, and their heart into their commitment to their family. Number two, spending time together. This is something you have to plan. This is something you have to work out. You know, those magical moments that you have in your life that you can remember. You know what? You had to be doing something together. Those magical moments don't happen when you're apart. They happen when you're together. Something I can't stand is when Elizabeth goes out with all the kids and something happens and I miss it. I don't want to miss it. Sometimes, man, we got to work. Doesn't mean we give up our work. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. Nope, we got to work. I mean, if you don't work, you don't eat. It's scripture. But I have got to plan time with my family. And hopefully I'm not going to break down. I broke down during first service. I'm telling you, the Lord is dealing with me here. I am. I, I don't want to say I'm a workaholic, but I work a lot. I like work. I like to go in. I like my schedule. I like my job. But Elizabeth would tell you there's rarely a day that is my day off that I don't come in. Sometimes I'm running from family to come in. Sometimes I don't. I, I just. I just want to give up. I don't want to give up on my responsibilities. But how easy is it to avoid them? Isn't that easy? It's so, it's so hard to make time, it's easy to lose the time. Isn't it? It really costs you to, to take the time together. But strong families spend time together. 1,500 kids were asked, what makes families happy? What would make your family happy? And 90% of them responded, doing things together. Doing things together. You know, we, we live in the technology age. All our kids have all kinds of devices. I have devices. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a uh, electronic uh, junkie. You know, I got my cell phone, got my iPod, got the computer, got, got it all going on. And it's everywhere we go. We can't get away from it. We were sitting at dinner last night and eating chips and dip, and one of my kids said, can I turn on my DS? And you know, our response was, no. No. Because the moment they get into it, they completely check out. They don't even necessarily intend to. However, I think sometimes they do intend to. I can tell you, I've sat in our chair with our whole family around, and I've pulled out my iPod in order to check out. I don't like the conversation going on. I don't like what's happening around me, and I want out, and I just get engulfed in my iPod. Let me tell you, kids do the same thing. Sometimes they want out. And it is our responsibility as parents, number one, I've got to turn mine off. But number two, I've got to make them turn theirs off. Look at me. Look me in the eyes. Let's have conversation for just a minute. And I want you to know I am not great at it. Do not think for a second that I'm great at it. Hopefully, as we get through this today, you're going to see a little bit more of my heart and Um, How this is not just me up here preaching. This is me trying to walk through this. Family, you've got to fight for family. No one else will fight for it. Everyone else is fighting against it. The media. 
I'm not against, I'm, not, I'm for the school system, but the school system, I mean, my kids got practices every time we turn around. Now they got ball games on Wednesday and they've had ball games on Sunday morning and, you know, everything's trying to pull us apart. And I love ball. I played ball. Dance, schedules, everything's trying to pull us apart. But today, let's start with number three. And we're going to get through a few of these today. Hopefully we're going to completely get through Appreciation. Everybody say appreciation. appreciation. Strong families have the ability to express appreciation. I read a quote that said, home is where family members go when they're tired of being nice to other people. Can you, can you agree to that? Oh, thank God I don't have to be nice to anybody else because I'm going home. <laughs> the receptionist that answers the phone all day that says, hey, how are you? We're so glad you called. Gets home and is like, ah. Oh. I can tell you, working at Express Lube, we ran at such a fast pace trying to keep up that I would go to into a restaurant and I would kick into Express Lube jargon. Hey, how are you doing? Everything okay? Thank you so much. And I'm like, I'm the one being served here. Shut up. <laughs> Is there anything I can do for you? And I, all of a sudden, you know, I had to turn that programming off. But even the pastor, and I don't want to say that this is me, but there are, we do have our days. I shake your hand. We say, hey, how are you doing? Everything good? Oh, we'll just, we just love you. We'll be praying for you. God bless you. And then you get home and it's like, ah, oh, finally. Somebody shut the door and turned the, t- the, the phone off and le- everybody leave me alone. And who's the one that pays in those days? My kids and my wife. Can you relate? Let me just tell you, I love my job. I love, I love coming in. I love you guys. But I think we could all agree sometimes we just want to run away. We want to disconnect. We want to disconnect. Well, strong families appreciate. What does that mean? How do we appreciate? Let's talk about this word security. And security is an inside job. It's something that's got to be built up from the inside. And I don't use acrostics very often. Well, let's use one right here with secure. Number one, with the S, we must spend time together. I've already gone over that, but we have to choose to spend time together. Now, I know I'm kind of reviewing, so don't check out. Spending time together is vital. How can you have a relationship with someone you don't spend time with? You want breakthrough in relationship, but you want it to just happen. Lord, just change my child. You ever prayed that? Just change my child. And you know how that change is supposed to happen? You're supposed to impact your child. How can you impact your child if you don't spend time with them? How can you have a good relationship with your wife if you don't spend time with them? Mm. How can you have a relationship with God if you don't spend time with Him? All we do is ask, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. You know what? I do that to my wife a lot too. I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. And then, I okay, thanks for fulfilling that. Now, let me go do what I wanted to do. It's just how we walk with God many times. God, I'm in a desperate situation. I need your breakthrough. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're the Lord, my provider. Will you provide? He provides. And then we run off from Him again. Is that real or is that not real? Same way we do with our kids. Same way we do with our, our uh, spouses. E, express Positive thoughts. This one about break, broke me in half this morning. Both of these hit me right between the eyes. I struggle with both of these. I, my, I, I would like to...
like to blame it on spiritual gifting. We'll just blame that on God, that I'm not a great encourager. Well, God made me that way. No, he didn't. I've got to improve. I've got to change. I'm not a great encourager. And I went through the list this morning of the staff and my children. I'm blowing it with my kids. I'm blowing it. I'm too hard on them. I'm a, I'm a pretty tough... I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to build myself up. I'm trying to tear myself down. I'm, I'm, I'm hard to please. I'm, I drive very hard. I, I push very hard. And I don't encourage. Try working in that environment. Try growing up in that environment. High expectations and no reward. And in many respects, I'm failing as a father, as a husband. Express positive thoughts. You know, what you speak over your children has impact. In a moment, we're going to talk about that, but what you speak has impact. We all need to slow down for a moment over our family, spend time with our family, and express positive thoughts. Our tendency is is to let the negative thoughts come out, and that's it. It's easy to talk about the negative. Pick up a newspaper. It's all negative. Go listen to the news. People want to hear the negative. Think they do. They don't. I want to hear the positive. Express positive thoughts. Let's move on from that one. C. Consistent discipline. Now I'm not talking about I'm not talking about a lot of discipline. I'm talking about three or four rules that you consistently support. And where I stand, I've only got a couple things that I really stand strong on. And I, my kids, you may have older kids, you may have kids that are out of the nest and probably getting ready to start looking at grandkids. Well, maybe you can instill it into your children. But with my kids, i got two rules. Don't throw a fit and don't lie. Everything else we can kind of work through. Those other, these two, are, in my opinion, are worth stopping the car and pulling over. We are not going to raise adults that throw fits in their job. How many knows adults can throw fits? We're trying hard not to raise spouses that throw fits with their spouse. And let me tell you, you can confess terrible twos over your kids and your your two-year ages can be terrible. Or you can express positive thoughts over your kids and positively, hey, we didn't have terrible twos. We had great two-year-olds. Didn't mean we didn't have moments. Doggone right we had moments. They weren't terrible. Consistently disciplined. Do you know that rules without relationships brings rebellion? Don't let that go over your head. It's what James Dobson says. Rules without relationships brings rebellion. Try to follow God's rules without a relationship with them. You will be frustrated your whole life. Why? Because you can't do it. Also, you'll become a victim. You'll think, why, God, do you do this to me? Why me? Why me? Why me? But when you start to build relationship, your desires start to change. Your abilities start to change. God, we just sang this. All things are possible. You know, we want to think about the impossible, getting out of debt, having a, a marriage. What about a husband or a wife that turns their heart to the Lord? 
things are possible. What about a child that has gone the wrong way that needs to turn their heart back to God? It's not impossible. It's possible. It's possible. You know, I can't I can't have relationship I can't have rules with my kids that they're going to follow unless I have relationship with them. I need relationship before rules. Am I just beating you down too hard? I'm not trying to. I'm trying to trying to help. We've got to have relationship. Let's keep going. It's going to get better. Unite during a crisis. How many times in the middle of a crisis do we tear apart? Strong families unite during a crisis. Do you know what crisis means? Crisis means opportunity. Do you know in God's word that it says, when, when trials come, consider it all joy. For trial, pr- trials produce perseverance. They, they, they produce. They grow us. They strengthen us. And at the end of that scripture in James it says, and God's going to bless us at the end. We can't get that blessing. We can't get strengthened until we go through the trial. You know, the things that you've learned, you've learned through trials. We've got to learn that in a crisis, not to tear apart, but to pull together. Husbands, wives, when, when, when all hell breaks out, pull together. Pull together. Our Recognize each person's value. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to help me. I feel like I'm hitting a wall a little bit. And Holy Spirit, we just we just lay our desires down and I ask for you, Holy Spirit, the teacher to come and to move in our lives and move in our hearts. Lord, let my will not be done, but your will be done. We just praise you and we acknowledge you as our God and we are here to receive. Open our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, that was probably more for me than it was for you. Recognize each person's value. Do you know that each one of your children has value? And they're not called to be the other child? I will tell you as a parent, and I'm sure most of you know, it's, it's easy to try to make the second and the third born try to live up to what the firstborn does. We don't know any better. That's what the firstborn's done. But the secondborn is not the firstborn. Completely different. And I don't care if they're girls or boys. They are different. They are not supposed to be the same. It is not a cookie cutter. We handle our children exactly this way. Well, I wish it was that way because I am very systematic in my thinking. Can someone please give me an ABCs to growing a, a great church? Give it to me. I will make sure we do it. We won't miss a beat. But it's not that easy. The ABCs to growing a, a, a strong family. It's not that easy. If someone, if, if, well, here it is. It's in here. We're trying to find it elsewhere. Give me the 10 steps to a successful marriage. That says I did. I got it. I got it. We've got to recognize each person's value. They're gifted. Don't play one against the other. Recognize the child's value. And finally, again, encourage them daily. Bill Glass surveyed men in prison and 90% of their parents, they remember their parents telling them that they were bad and someday would wind up in jail. 90%. 90%. We become a prophet of our children's future by what we feed their mind.
Elizabeth, will you come up? Well, there again, last week, if you were here, you heard me say that Pastor Paul and I, because he was preaching on the family, he wanted to include me a little bit, and um, which I appreciate. But um, some of the things is, is we're just learning about this, some of the scriptures that has just kind of popped into my mind through this, um, underappreciate and encourage. You know, um, Father God, when Jesus got baptized, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And, you know, speaking words of encouragement, Speaking over our children and encouraging, speaking over our spouses is biblical. It's right. And, you know, so we want to take the model that we see there in the Bible. And, you know, Father God did it for Jesus. He did it. He appreciated him and he encouraged him. And he said, this is my son. I'm well pleased with you. And, you know, everybody needs to hear that. And so we want to do that for each other. Um, the other thing about um, being committed and, you know, I didn't get to say this to first service, but I kept thinking about how when, you know, when you commit to somebody, you commit. It's forever. You know, when you get married, marriage is permanent. That's how God set it up to be. And, you know, Ruth committed to Naomi in, in, in the book of Ruth. If you go read that, it's a sweet little story. Um, you know, Ruth's husband had died, and she committed to her mother-in-law. But I think the words that she spoke are so... Um, good and true that we want to commit to each other in this way. And I just want to read this to you. It says, but Ruth said, and this is uh, chapter 1, verse 16, and it said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. Forever, for wherever you will go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. And you know, there's something in her words when she commits. And she said, you know, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Whatever you do, I'm going to do that. Wherever you lodge, your people are my people. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you. Come hell or high water, I'm committed to you. And you know what? That's the way that I've committed to Paul. And so, you know, when you hear him tell stories, you know what? We don't agree on everything. We don't. You know, Larry Burkett in financial um, training, he says, if you could all agree, if you would agree, one of you would be unnecessary. If you were the same. That's what he says. If you were the same. You know what? That speaks volumes to me. Because you know what? We're different. And that's really beautiful. But it causes us, it, it makes us realize, you know what? Unity is an effort. It's an effort. This just doesn't come natural. And when we argue, I remember, you know what? Where you go, I'm going to go. And when he came to me at 30 years old and said, oh, by the way, I think the Lord's calling me to full-time ministry. Well, guess what? That included that moment, too. Where you go, I'm going to go. And, you know, I knew it. I knew it. I just didn't know he was going to leave his job and do it full-time. And so, you know... You do it. I do it because I'm committed to him. And um, one other thing that I want to say, and that's Psalm 133, and I think this is so beautiful um, because it's a picture of unity. And, you know, unity, um, I, I think that, what did you read, first of all, 
that, that first scripture you had up on the board, and it was, um, no, it was Joshua. Um, oh, you're going to use it yeah. at the end. Yeah. Okay, I won't go through then. Um, but <laughs> Matthew, he was talking about a house divided against itself can't, can't stand. But Psalm 133, just three verses long, that, that psalm, and it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And this is where he goes on to say, it is like. First of all, how good it is, how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity, when families dwell together in unity, when a church dwells together in unity, how good and pleasant that is. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. It's like that precious oil pulled out, poured out over the head, over the beard, over the whole body, that, that oil just running down. And then he goes on to say, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Like the dew of Hermon that just comes in blankets over. And it goes on to say at the end of verse 3, for there, where the unity is, for there, right there where the unity is, there in that spot, the Lord commanded his blessing. That's where it is. It's in unity. Life evermore. Life forevermore. And so you know what? I want to be in unity. And you know what that means? It means sometimes I have to give up my way. It means sometimes he has to give up his way. It means our family has to learn how to, how to live in peace together. And you know what? We do it. And we're in unity. But it's... It's, it's not always easy, but the Lord helps you. And so if you're in that place, I would encourage you, just make that decision. You know what? I'm going to be in unity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at peace with my family. I'm going to love and commit and, and work together to see this thing through. Because that's where the Lord's blessing is. And it's so good. I'd rather be there than anywhere else. I'd rather be in unity and not have my way than to be not in unity, have my way, and be miserable. Because it's not good. So I'm for unity. Um, Self-fulfilling prophecy. Self-fulfilling prophecy. That's why we want to pick him up here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say he's really good because he lets me talk. And I appreciate that about him. Ever since we've been in ministry together, he's always wanted me. And I, I appreciate that about you. What he wanted me to say is this. And it's what I say every time I teach a baby class. For those of you who don't know, I have a degree in child and family science. And um, I do teach a, a new baby class. And it's funny because one of the things that I talk about is the self-fulfilling prophecy. And you may think, well, new baby care, how's that relate? But you know what? It really relates um, because first-time parents need to understand the self-fulfilling prophecy. And that is... Not just first-time parents need to know it. No, everybody needs yeah. to know it. Because that, that principle I learned about in t at Tennessee Tech as a student in, in child development... And I remember the first time that I heard about the self-fulfilling prophecy, it was these professors, these researchers had gotten together and done this study. And you know what? Really, it was so biblical. I thought, wow, you guys are really onto something. And this is, this is God's kingdom law here. And they're just like found something that they're telling us like for the first time, like we didn't know it. But I thought really what they've done is they've tapped into kingdom principle here because what they found in all their research, they um, took a group of children and they placed those children. They were typical children and they placed them 
with um, teachers. And it was, it was a group. I don't remember in the group how many, 10 to 12. And they, they gave these children to these teachers. And they said, these children are so smart, you will be surprised at what all they can do, what all they can accomplish. Um, they're, they're uh, you they're know, just A's, high great achieving, grades. yes, excellent. Top of um, the Top, top of, the, of the class. Top of the line. Top of the class. And they weren't. They were average students. Just typical, typical kids. And they gave them to these teachers at the beginning of the year. And what they found is that, that those children who always were just average performing children at the end of the year had outperformed. They had accomplished all these great things. And you know what it was? Is that somebody said, hey, you're really smart. I think you can do this. I think you're great. Boy, are you fabulous. Look at how you do that. And you know what? They rise. People rise. When you say good things about people, they rise to the occasion. And so I think it's important as parents, even over your husband. You know, Paul and I weren't always like, I mean, we started out and we about killed each other, I think, our first year of marriage. It was not easy. I had a sick mom who was living with us. I mean, it was, it was challenging to say the least. But you know what? God is faithful. And when you start prophesying over somebody, speaking the word of God over them, I don't see you as what you, what, what you are right now, but I see what God's doing with you. I see, into the, I see the end. And sometimes it's hard to do that because we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so you've got to call those things that aren't as though they are. And so that means, you know what? You're, you're great. You're awesome. I think you're great. I think you can do this. I think you're straight-A material. I think you're a great husband. I think you're wonderful. Do you mean that? I do mean that. And I really do mean that. I think sometimes that first year or two, I thought, <laughs> But we did good. We made it. And we committed. And we made it. God's good. God's good. I always say when I prayed for the Lord to rise up and call him, I think this is my words, call him to be the man of God that you're calling him to be. Lord God, rise up in him and cause him to be. That's what it was. Cause him to be the man of God that you're calling him to be. I had no idea what I was praying. I had no, no, no idea. I don't know. I, it was it was bold, bold faith there. So you did good. Those teachers didn't know they were average to below average students. But when they were told what to expect out of these kids, the teachers responded and the kids performed. There's no telling what your kids are capable of if you would start speaking positively over them. Speaking in faith. Speaking in faith. You're going to do great things. You're a mighty man or woman of God. God's going to do great things in your life. You're going to be a great husband, a great spouse, you're a great wife. You're going to be very successful. You're going to love the Lord. People are going to people are going to know you. They're going to know your name because of who you are. I have got a wonderful wife. My wife, I, I, I don't anybody say amen to this, but I so married up. I don't deserve her. She loves me. She has my back. She fights for me. She doesn't put up with mediocre mediocrity. You know, and if she did, I probably would be mediocre. She, she pushes me. 
and I and I not I have I have not been a great husband, and I am I am committed I am committed to you, and I'm going to do better. I'll say the same thing to my kids. I'm part of my kids, and I'm going to do better. It's my it's my job to change. You know, I said earlier, we, we pray, Lord, change my child. No, Lord, change me. You know, God's a God of authority. And if we'll get the authority in line, things are going to work out. Start with me. Let's try to wrap this up. Next quality. Uh, hang on. I've got a great staff. I've got great pastors. I've got great secretary. I've got great people that work with me. I've got great deacons. I'm rough on my staff. I'm a, I'm a, I push hard, and I don't celebrate very often. And I said this earlier, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to do better. And you're a great pastor, great friend of mine. You know what? Satan can't stop what we're supposed to be doing. The only way he stops it is if we let him. He has no power. None. He is under our feet. The God of peace has placed him under our feet. Now it's up to us to step on him. And we're going to do it. Communication. It's not getting any better yet. Hang on. Communication. I stink at communication. Yes, I do. You don't. It's not, not right to lie in church. <laughs> Families that are strong have the ability to communicate. You know, the Dallas Morning News said that the average couple that had been married 10 years or longer communicate with each other 37 minutes a week. That's a lot more than we do. (laughs) 37 minutes a week. How can you have a relationship with that? One husband confessed, my wife says I don't listen to her. At least that's what I think she said. Marriage counselors say that over half of all divorces come from a lack of communication. You know, Zig Ziglar put it this way. He tells about a lady who came to a pastor for counseling for divorce. The pastor says, do you have any grounds? And the lady said, oh yeah, about nine acres south of town. He said, no, I mean, do you have a grudge? She said, no, but we have a carport. He says, no, I mean, does your husband beat you up? Oh no, I usually get up before him. I'm an early riser. He says, and why are you having trouble with your husband? Well, he just doesn't communicate. I said this more, this week to my wife, I said, I am not a woman. I'm never going to be a woman. I will never respond like a woman. I don't think like a woman. I don't know how to act like a woman. I'm not called to be a woman. <laughs> However, I, I am called to reach my wife. I am called to connect to my wife. If that means that my ways don't work, well, guess what? Guess who gets to change? Me. Oh, Lord, change my wife. No. Lord, change me. Help me to fulfill my role. Help me to fulfill her need. Not anybody else. The husband role where she needs fulfilled needs to be filled by me and no one else. Husbands, that's your job. And if it's not working the way you're doing it now, change. Wives, same thing. 
I have got to reach my kids. I can't expect them to reach me. I'm called to command my family according to those things of the Lord. Not my family command me. I'm called to command them. Somebody say amen. We've got to communicate finally. Coping skills. Number five, good strong families have coping skills. They pull positive, They pull together positively in a crisis. They're flexible. They draw on spiritual strength. And let me just say, don't believe for a second that families that break up, that get divorced, are the only families with problems. The families that don't break up are families that don't have problems. That's a lie. Every family has problems. In fact, I guarantee you there's some people here that have never divorced, that have been through as big a problems or bigger than some that have divorced. The difference is how you handle them. How do we cope with our problems? Let me give you a couple statements. I'm, I'm wrapping things up. I'm, we're going to get you out of here. Problems about families. Every family has problems. It's that simple. Our family has problems. Your family has problems. All God's families have problems. You know, you may say to yourself, don't look around your family and say, we've got to get ourselves spiritually together so we won't have any problems. That day will not come. There is no such thing. Adam and Eve, when they sinned in their disobedience to God, started problems. They are a part of life. Number two, not all families respond to problems the same way. You know, the Chinese symbol for crisis also means opportunity. One family sees a problem as a crisis and the other one sees it, sees it as an opportunity. You remember how Joe McGee talked about being peacemakers and problem solvers. Solve the problem. Don't let the problem break you in half. Solve it. While we're on this Chinese symbol, I, I heard a report this last week. Get ready. Everybody's toes get ready. I, I, may, I hope for revelation right here. Talked about how horoscopes, how the signs, the whatever horoscope you are, and I can't name them all, uh, Vertigo. I don't know what it is. No. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't know what they are. Uh, Pisces. I don't know. Is that one? Okay. Vertigo. I know. I don't know. But I was listening to the radio and they said, if you're so-and-so, that's changed. You're now a this. Like, well, how would you like to live your whole life and all of a sudden who you are, that someone just told you that you're not this, you're not this type of person, you're this type. And I thought, hallelujah. Can I tell you something? What God says over you will never change. Never. In my opinion, all that's just happened over horoscopes is it's been defined that it's not real. It's not real. Can I take it another step farther? It's witchcraft. How can you look in there and say, well, this is how my day is going to be? You know what? You speak that over you and that's the kind of day you'll have. It's witchcraft. It's baloney. You know where the, it came out of Babylon? Babylon is demonic. Don't go looking at the stars for your direction. Our direction comes from the Lord. You can't play both sides. 
God will not play both sides. There's one thing he won't mess with. You can have no other gods but me. No other God. And love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's what Jesus said. Shall have no other gods and love me. Revelation over horoscopes in the name of Jesus. Burn those things. Get those things out. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am blessed in the city and blessed in the country. I am blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. The seed, my seed shall possess the gates of the enemy. I am healed by his stripes. By his stripes, I am healed. I don't have to live like I'm living. I live according to the word of God. Now, I follow that up by, by doing my best to walk it out. God knows I'm not perfect. But when I walk this thing out, his word is true. I'm about to start preaching at you guys. Our response to problems will make or break us. How many have gone through something and thought, I could have handled that differently. It's happened to me the last two days. Sorry, so I'm probably harder on myself than anybody else, but I got up this morning and I just said to myself, getting in the shower, I'm an idiot. How could I act like that? I can do better than that. Wasn't anybody else's fault. My fault. Had one of my children talking about coaches and talking about what they're walking through. It's not them, it's me. Revelation. Oh, hallelujah. Revelation. Rip them out of that victimized mentality. Get over yourself and get up and go do better. Husbands, get over yourself and go out and do better. Somebody say amen. Our response will make us or break us. We'd all be divorced if problems caused divorce. Someone once said, well, we didn't have a marriage in heaven, so we broke up. Well, why not make a marriage here on earth? We're not in heaven. Let's make a marriage here on earth. I read Dennis the Menace cartoon recently, and he was standing in the corner in trouble again. And at the top of his lungs, he's lecturing his parents saying, if you're raising me right, how come I get in so much trouble? Families just have problems. Finally, it's my last one. Spiritual health. Read a secular survey that said one of six components of a strong family is the spiritual health of that family. Did you catch what I said? A secular survey said that one of the six qualities of a strong family is the spiritual health of that family. It coincides with another survey that says faithful parents produce faithful children. Let's look at this just in how we go to church. If the husband and the wife both together go faithfully to church, 72% of their children, 72% of their children will be faithful attenders, church attenders as adults. If both the husband and the wife go to church faithfully, 72% will be faithful in church. Sorry, ladies. If just the dad goes faithfully, 55% as adults will, will go to church. If the dads don't go, but the moms go. 
15%. Do you see how impactful, men, our role is? God is a God of family, and he desires it to be lined up correctly. Doesn't mean the wife does not play a huge spiritual role. Let me tell you, my wife plays a huge spiritual role in my family, but she's not called to lead my family spiritually. I am. He, God chose Abraham because he knew that he would command his family according to the things of the Lord. If neither the man or the wife, the husband or the wife go to church, only 6% will be faithful attenders at church. And I actually think that seems like a high number. I can't believe 6 would go. The last chapter of Joshua... He gathers his people together for his last words. Let me tell you, the last words from a leader are always important. He said, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15, but if it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for your day today whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served beyond the river of the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Verse 31, Joshua 24, verse 31 says, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders who served Joshua, and all, and had known all the deeds which the Lord had done for Israel. A group of moms were discussing about how to spiritually influence their children's lives. They wonder, how do we impact spiritually our family? And finally, one wise grandmother said, You know, I decided to develop the spiritual commitment of my children 20 years before they were born by committing my life to Jesus Christ. It starts with you. Your commitment to Jesus Christ. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you would, just bow your heads for just a moment. just wonder as I ask how many moms and dads would say, Pastor, I want my family to be strong. And I realize that if ever, if they're ever to be raised for God, I must commit myself first to God. I realize the spiritual commitment belongs to me, belongs to you. Would you say, Pastor, pray with me this morning. I want to commit myself to God to be a better husband, to be a better wife, to be a better father, to be a better mother. Pastor, that's me. I want my situation to change. If that's you this morning, husbands, wives, teenagers, would you just lift your hand up and say, that's me. I need, I, I desire a stronger relationship with my spouse. I desire a stronger relationship with my children. I desire a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. I see that hand. I see those hands. I desire more. I am not fulfilling my role. I see those hands. I am falling short. You are not a failure if you're falling short. We all fall short. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God but we acknowledge it and we ask for help and we turn. 
that's you still still got a couple more minutes right I see that hand I want breakthrough as we still just keep our heads bowed I want to say personally I want to do better as a husband I want to do better as a father I want to do better with my relationship with the Lord that's me I raise my hand those that have raised their hands those that didn't but wish they had we're just going to make one statement and I would just want you right now just to repeat after me. Just say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, I just thank you for today, Lord. That's what Joshua said. He gave him the option. You can either serve your gods or you can serve the God of heaven, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Make your choice. Father, I thank you that those that raised their hand and then just said this out of your mouth have made that choice. I ask you right now, Lord, for the courage and the strength to turn. I ask you to pour your Holy Spirit into them right now, Lord, into me right now, Lord, to equip me to my calling. And my calling is to be a great father to my children. My calling is to be a great husband to my wife. Restore the family, Lord. Restore the family, Lord. Restore the husbands. Restore the wives. Restore the family. Turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Turn the hearts of the mothers back to the husbands and husbands back to the wives. Turn the hearts of the children, Lord, to you, Father. Turn our hearts as a family to you. You may be here this morning and just need prayer over your health. You may need prayer over your finances or whatever situation you're in. We want to give you an opportunity for to, to be prayed for, to step out in faith. For those that are ministering, just step on out. And we all stand up with me. And we're going to pray. We're going to sing together. And I want you to know, Scripture says that God never changes. Well, is God a healer? Yes, he's a healer. He says, I am the Lord. I'm Jehovah Rophi. I'm the Lord, your healer. And he never changes. He says, I'm Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, your provider. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. Step out this morning in faith. Let us pray with you as we sing.